Okay, I think we're live. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, we'll just wait a couple of minutes for um, for people to join. Um, but we've got um, we've got a great session lined up, um, and I know we've got a lot of people registered. So um, we'll just wait a minute or so um, before we get started. Um, but if you have just joined, then please do feel free to to drop in the chat um, where you're uh, where you're joining from, um, what company you're joining from, um, and anything you're looking to get out of joining today. So thank you. You should be able to just drop in the chat. Um, don't be shy. <laughs> okay, for those of you who've just joined, afternoon, welcome. Thank you for joining. Um, we'll just wait a minute or so for uh, for some people to um, log on. Um, but thank you, Daniel. Um, you're you're calling in from from Spain, um, and you're looking to uh, to learn how to book more meetings. Well, great. Um, hopefully, you'll be able to take away some tips. Um, hi Francisco, calling in from Medellin. Early start for you, so well done for joining. Thank you for joining Vlad, um, wanting to learn how to uh, learn some more information, um, but we will we will get started. Um, so do feel free, um, I'd love for this session to be as interactive as possible. Um, I do have some um, uh, 10 takeaways um, for you, um, but please do drop questions um, into the chat and um, I will make sure that I get to them um, by the um, by the end of, of the session. So please do feel free to drop questions and comments in there, um, and I'll make sure that I get to them by the end of the session. Okay, so um, just by just by way of introduction, um, my name is Shabri. I started um, I started my career as an SDR um, about fifteen years ago. Now um, it wasn't a very well known role at the time, um, but I moved into SDR leadership and sales leadership. Um, I built a team of fifty SDRs at Finastra, um, and then I left there um, about five years ago, and I built a company called SalesWorks um, that really focused on um, sales development. Um, both training and enablement. So I've worked with a lot of SDR teams um, and sales development is still a huge passion of mine. Um, but I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes or so um, giving you some insights and tips for you to take away as it relates to your role, your mindset and your development um, and ultimately the success that you're um, that you're looking to achieve. Um, so I wanted to, to make it um, you know, something that was relevant to, to all of you. So I'm going to go through each of these um, actionable insights. Um, and like I say, please, for those of you who've just joined, um, please do feel free to drop questions and comments into uh, into the conversation. Um, you'll be able to see that on the, uh, on the Q&A function on the right hand side. So the first, um, and, I, and I think this is, uh, you know, we've come out of a, of a difficult year as, as 2023 concluded. Um, we've gone through a very long month of January. Um, but as you're as you're thinking about the year ahead, um, one of the things that um, that I, I always say to SDRs and BDRs is is visualize what success looks like to you. Um, and a year seems like a long time. But if I were to ask you when you pick up the phone, what is going through your head at that exact moment? And some people say they're thinking about the nerves. Some people might might say they're thinking, I hope my prospect doesn't pick up. But how many of you are thinking this person is going to pick up and it's going to be a great call? And that's very rare. 
So I'll tell you a story. Um, I had a new hire and uh, we'd wrapped up three weeks of onboarding and she was ready to go. And we went into a meeting room together and she was going to do her first lead. She was calling an inbound lead and the gatekeeper picked up. Um, the gatekeeper transferred her over to the prospect and the prospect picked up the phone and said, hi, this is Michael here. And my rep just froze. She looked at me and she started sweating and she started panicking and the words weren't coming out. And he said again, he said, hello. And I had no choice but to jump in. And after that call concluded, um, I asked her, I said, what, what happened here? It's a learning opportunity, so let's break it down. And she said, the truth is, I was really nervous. I was hoping he didn't pick up. And when he did, it threw me and I couldn't get the words out. And the, the moral behind the story is this happens a lot. We, we aren't visualizing success or a positive outcome. So we end up on the back foot and we end up unprepared. It's such a small thing, but visualize what success is to you for that particular call. It might be getting a referral. It might be getting more information. But if you picture it, it's more likely to happen. Uh, so I wanted to share with you um, a quote. So this is uh, from Peter Thiel, um, who's the CEO and founder of PayPal. And he wrote a book called Zero to One, um, which I highly recommend. And he said, successful people find value in unexpected places. And the reason that I wanted to share this was because I think most people think of the SDR role as a stepping stone, something that they want to get out of as quickly as possible. And when I was an SDR, this mindset shift for me was key. I still do um, view the role as one of the most important things that you can, you can do. I think it creates essential foundations for your career. Um, it creates skills that, that can be and should be used in business and in life. It teaches you how to communicate, how to stand up from the crowd, how to think, how to win, um, and how to keep pushing. So I'd encourage you to, to approach your role this way and let your time in the SDR team be one of those unexpected places. So uh, number two, um, detach from the outcome. Um, so you can see here on the left, like these are sentiments which I would call the attached mindset. So what if I make this cold call and the prospect gets angry? What if I don't book a meeting? I'm scared of failing. And that's what I call an attached mindset. I wonder if this sounds familiar to, to any of you, these sentiments here. But if you can shift to the detached mindset by detaching from the outcome, you know, that your job isn't to book a meeting, your job is to illuminate a potential problem by being curious without having any expectations. So ask yourself, what is the goal of the call? It's not to book a meeting, it's to gather information, it might be to disqualify, but detach from the outcome. Number three, um, control the controllables. So you're probably thinking, what do I, what do I mean by that? Well, you don't control when or if people buy, but you do control who you contact, what you say, and how you sound. The reality is, is you can't control if someone is going to hang up on you or replies to your email saying, I'm not interested, but you can control how you react to that. So my advice here is tune out what you don't control. And one of the other things you don't control is objections. So objections are uncontrollable factors that you can't impact. So work with your objections, be patient. I remember so vividly the first time I got yelled at on a cold call. 
I was so upset and I remember my manager telling me remove the ego and I was I was shocked by that I didn't think I had an ego but I took it so personally and I realized that people aren't rejecting me they're rejecting what I said and those those two things do sound very similar but it's the mindset that differentiates um, your how you'll react to those so the first thing that that you know SDRs are thinking is I'm just an SDR, I'm just sending calls, I'm just sending emails, I'm just booking meetings, I'm just making calls. But think about whether you've you've thought that and whether that's crossed your mind before. Too many people fall victim to this first statement here. But if you intentionally choose the second, you'll realize that it will change your mindset. You're the first touch point of a potentially really meaningful relationship. So visualize the outcomes, stay positive, and think about the last great call and conversation you had. Remember that your solution helps people. So number four, find your superpower. Um, so I've, I've, I've been fortunate to train a lot of SDR teams globally, um, you know, from, from all different uh, shapes and sizes. But one of the things that I got asked a lot by reps and by leaders is, what's the magic weapon? What's the call opener that works? What's the email subject line that works best? And the answer is there's no silver bullet. It's up to you to find your superpower. And so you might be thinking, how do I find my superpower? Well, embrace experimentation, A-B test, and change a little bit each time. So experiment with subject lines, experiment with call openers, with voice notes, with videos. Find out what works for you and stick to that. You can't standardize your messing across geographies. And I see we've got people from Colombia here. We've got people from Thailand here. There, there are going to be different things that work for different, for different geographies. But to test something and to really have a look at the results, I, I recommend testing something 100 times, minimum 50, but, but try and test something 100 times. And then you'll be able to see this call to action work, this one didn't. But remember, when you are experimenting, trying and failing isn't a mistake. It's part of the process. So what works for you might not work for everyone. I know two SDRs at the same company, and one has a terrible success with um, a terrible, terrible success rate rather with video. And one has got a great success rate with voice notes. So even in the same organization, the same team, different things might might work for different people. But what worked for me when I was cold calling was just starting my calls with, hey, this is Shabri calling from, from Finastra. We haven't spoken before. Some people ask for 27 seconds, but find what works, find what works for you. So number five, um, one of the most frequently asked questions I get is how long should I spend on personalizing emails? And what happens is reps get despondent because they craft this super hyper-personalized outreach and it's not scalable and they don't get a response. And managers say, I don't want my team spending hours researching. But the trick here is understanding the difference between both personalization and relevance and combining them for the most powerful yet scalable approach. So what do I mean by personalization? Well, you don't need to know where your prospect grew up and their hobbies and their favorite food. Lots of outreach includes what I call junk draw personalization, which is, hey, Joe, I saw you went to uh, Manchester University 
and then just leading on with the message. The challenge with that is it's not connected to anything else in your messaging in your email or worse still, company personalization, which is so far away from the individual. So that might be, you know, hey, Joe, um, hey Joe, I just saw you won an award for the best platform. Or, hey, Joe, I saw you just hired a new CFO. The problem with that is it doesn't create an emotional connection, which is why relevance is so key with your personalization. And what I mean by relevance is you need to have a deep understanding of your persona, their day-to-day, their pain points, you know, thinking about what are they complaining about in their management meetings and combining your personalization and relevance will give you power. So that's tip number five. Uh, So number six, um, always be learning. So what do I mean by this? Well, if I look at the traits of a successful SDR and I look at some of the common attributes, a lot of what I see is curiosity, self-reflection and self-analysis, the ones that have a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset. Now, I think I would consider you all, all very lucky because there are hundreds of resources out there for SDRs. There are books, there are webinars, there are podcasts, there's communities, there's tons of people to follow on LinkedIn. But one of the most commonly missed things that I, I, I see is how can you learn from yourself? And I talked a little bit about experimentation earlier with, with your messaging. But one thing I think top performers all have in common is the fact that they listen to their own calls. And I know you're probably thinking, I hate the sound of my own voice. No one likes the sound of their own voice. So you're not alone. Um, and I get that it's embarrassing. But but don't wait for your manager one-to-one. Don't wait for group call coaching. When you're out of the zone, listen to your calls. Listen to what your prospect is saying. I met someone at an event uh, back in November and I gave that advice to them. And they messaged me a few weeks later saying, I had no idea how much I say kind of in my calls. So listen to not just what you're saying, but listen to what your prospect is saying as well. And that's a really good opportunity to learn. And lastly, learn from top performers. Now there's a difference in learning from top performers and comparing yourself to top performers, but don't be afraid to fail because I always think that you can learn more from your failures than you can from your successes. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Look at what your top performers are doing and embrace this as part of the process. Celebrate the small wins is number seven. So often we put so much emphasis on the end goal, the target, the comp plan, that what happens is we forget to celebrate the small wins. So set yourself micro goals. Um, This will avoid putting too much pressure on every call. So remember, control the controllables. So one thing I'm a fan of is looking at meaningful conversations and defining what those are to you. If you do a bottoms up approach, it might be that you're targeting someone lower level in the organization to gather information, to get a name, to get a referral. It's not just about the meeting. Secondly, slow down to speed up. So focus on quality, on quality, not quantity. Remember, less is more. And lastly, don't just celebrate the outcomes, celebrate the components of the process. That meeting booked isn't just about the one great call you've made. It's about all of the things that went through that to get there that that all add up. 
so back in 2009, I had my um, first taste of sales in door-to-door selling in Arizona. Um, so I spent the summer out in Arizona in 40-degree um, heat um, in my summer holidays, and I was selling educational books to families. And it was really tough. It was probably one of the toughest things I've done. I had door slammed in my face, which is the equivalent of, of someone putting the phone down on you, um, although it's a lot more brutal when someone's when someone's face-to-face. But I, I found it tough and I realized I was only celebrating the sales and I was encouraged to celebrate the small wins, which, you know, in that context was the referrals, the information I gathered, the meeting I booked, the callback to come back tomorrow. And that that really helped me um, celebrate some of those smaller things and feel a lot more motivated. So results aren't the only measure of success. If you keep doing things the right way, the results will come. Number eight, understanding your nose. So we talked a little bit about um, relevance earlier um, when we talked about personalization, um, but your message should be relevant and delivered to the right organizations within your ICP, organizations that are similar to your customers where you can define when you can deliver value. So as you hear things on the phone or through email, things like not interested, no thank you, um, these typically fall into one of four buckets. Um, and this is what I call the four no's. Um, so not me, um, you know, that is you're, you're, you've targeted the wrong person within the organization. Um, so it might be that you're selling a data platform and you've contacted the finance leader and they're saying, uh, actually, that's, that's not me, that's someone else. So here, find an alternative persona um, who you can engage with, with relevant messaging, where you can add value. The second no is not now. Um, and this is, you know, the timing isn't right because I have other priorities. Um, and, you know, I've had this a number of times, as I'm sure you all have. Um, but when I, when we were at SalesWorks, we did training and onboarding for SDR teams. And I was working with a VP of sales who wanted to hire an SDR manager first. Um, so there was someone who could reinforce what we were doing and could increase the impact with the team. And they wanted to look at it again within six, six to nine months. So that is just a timing objection. You know, it's not now. Not you. Um, this is typically a competitive scenario. Um, and again, in my eyes, it's, it's not a no. What that means is they see value in a solution like yours. So not you. We're, we're going to have a look at someone else or working with someone else. And lastly, not ever. Um, and not ever to me, if you have really targeted a company that is within your defined ICP and you have proven product market fit, then this doesn't likely exist. Um, so I would here encourage you to go back to discovery and qualify, because if, if your message is landing within the right organization, it is likely one of the other, the other three no's. Number nine, nurture with high value content. Um, so you'll have heard it's, it's all about delivering value and being that trusted advisor and building rapport and relationship and proving your value. But how can you start doing this practically? So I'll give you an actionable plan. It's a great campaign to run at the start of the year, but work with your sales teams to have a look at closed lost opportunities from 2023. Go through those opportunity notes and have a look back on what their biggest challenges were. What did they say they were, they, were, they were struggling with when you were doing your discovery? And start to deposit content that, that resonates with this. It can be your own company's content or it can be third party. 
So at Salesworks, we spent um, ages on a prospect and he said, I really want to work with you, but we're six months or so, um, we're six months or so away from being able to do something. I need to hire more um, more reps and I've always struggled with hiring good SDRs. And I, and I ended that conversation by saying, that's no problem at all. Just so you know, I'll be keeping in touch um, from time to time and you can let me know when things were changing. And we had some content on building a scalable recruitment process. I had some stuff on creating tasks in recruitment process. I'd written a blog on successful traits. So I started to just send things ad hoc. And the trick here is don't ask for anything in return. Just deposit things that are aligned with their priorities and their challenges. Don't ask for a meeting. Just be that trusted advisor. And they and they will come back. And he, and he did come back. And we ended up um, working together for a long period of time. But but prove your value and invest in building building that relationship and that rapport. And lastly, um, be multi-channel, be truly multi-channel. So back in 2019, I think email was the channel that could have been described as, as the most successful. Um, but before then, when I was an SDR, it was the phone. And the reality is today that no channel works alone. You've got to be truly multi-channel use videos, use voice notes, be creative, but your channels need to work together. So if, you, if you've if you sent an email on the phone, refer back to that. I've just sent you an email. And the phone is is making a comeback because we have better access to data um, that, is, that is allowing us to do that. And the reality is, is email is overused and buyer's inboxes are completely flooded, partly because I think some of the tools that we've had access to have enabled this. But the truth is that cold calling isn't dead. The phone does work and we just need to rethink how we are calling and making that warmer. So some tips here for you as you start to, um, you start to, to you know, implement or, or improve your multi-channel. But with your emails, ensure you only have one call to action. Avoid asking multiple questions in your email. So focus your message on the single outcome you want to drive. And, you know, if you're, don't ask for a meeting, but if you're asking for an event, make sure that it invites you to an event, make sure that's the only thing you're asking for. But in your multi-channel approach, focus on building rapport, building trust, gathering information, and not just booking a meeting. And try and use words that lower resistance. So what do I mean by that? Don't just say, do you want to move forward or let's schedule a call or who's the decision maker? But try and use phrases like, would you be open to, or how does that sound? Or in addition to yourself, who else gets involved when decisions like this are made? But you should hopefully have a good idea on which channel your prospects convert on. So if it is the phone, email them and tell them you're going to call them. If it's video, then send them a LinkedIn connection request saying that they're going to receive a video later. But have a look at where you're converting them the most and get them there. So a very scary stat of, um, that you can see here that is from, from Salesloft, um, which, is, which talks a little bit about um, sales reps give up after three to four touch points, yet 90% of B2B meetings are set after touch point six. Now, that's not six emails, it's six multi-channels, so six between phone, email, LinkedIn. But the scary thing is, is you need approximately 14 touch points. So think about how you can build a truly multi-channel approach 
that is offering value at each stage and that is that is depositing and focusing on building trust. So that's it. Those are the 10, uh, the 10 takeaways. Um, so just to recap um, for anyone who, who might have missed uh, the first couple, um, visualize success. So tune out what you, um, picture the outcome you want at the end. What does success mean to you? Detach from the outcome. So don't just focus on booking the meeting. Remember the goal of the call. Control the controllables. So tune out what you don't control and focus on what you can. Find your superpower. Remember, there's no silver bullet. So test and embrace experimentation. Trying and failing isn't a mistake. Number five, personalization without relevance isn't valuable. So combine them together for the best possible result. Number six, always be learning. So reflect on yourself, learn from your own calls and learn from top performers. Number seven, celebrate the small wins. So don't put all the emphasis on the end goal. Don't just celebrate the outcomes, celebrate the components of the process. Number eight, when you get a no, understand which no it is, identify that, and then you can react accordingly. Number nine, be that trusted advisor, build trust and report, and don't expect anything in return. And lastly, be truly multi-channel. Your channels need to work together. So look at what's working for you and other prospects and push your prospects there. So that's it. Those are the 10, um, the 10 takeaways um, that I hope uh, you can uh, you can get something from and uh, you can you, you've taken something away and you can implement in that in your role. Um, but we do have a couple of minutes for questions. Um, so please do. Um, uh, pl please do uh, drop your questions into the comments and um, and I'll try and get to them as much as uh, as quickly as possible. Um, we've got a question from Francisco. I'd love to feel less of an annoying cold caller and actually generate value and book more meetings. Okay, so not, not a question, but hopefully, Francisco, uh, there were some things uh, in that that, um, that that helped with that. Um, Please do feel free to drop your questions in either into the Q and A or into the uh, into the chat. Um, but I'd love to answer anything um, that that you've got top of mind. Any questions? How important is pausing and listening when cold calling? Um, well, Sam, thank you. Great question. Um, I think listening is one of the um, most important traits for, for SDRs. Um, there's a research from Gong that shows on a discovery call, as an example, top performers. I think it's something like top performers are, are spending 56% of their time um, listening versus lower performers who are only spending, I think, in their 20s, 25 or 27% of their time listening. So if you can pause and listen, it encourages your prospect to um, to talk and you'll get more information, you'll be able to, um, to tailor it. So one way of getting your prospect to talk um, is, you know, if they say something and you, you want to, you want them to, to uh, go into more detail on that, is just to say, tell me more, tell me more about that. But listening is one of the most important things you do because it allows, it makes the prospect feel heard, um, but it also allows you to gather gather information. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, Sam. Um, thank you. Uh, Nicola Fitzgerald, what are some really good opening lines? 
Um, I think the the you've you've got to find out what works for you because I I know people who use you know do you have twenty seven seconds for me to tell you why why I've called? Um, I think that's got to sound natural for you, and I don't think it sounds natural for everyone, but I know it can perform very well. Um, for me, it was just like off you know off the bat just saying hi this is Shabri calling from uh Casper we haven't spoken before and the reason I found that worked well for me is because I think the prospect was thinking is this a cold call do I know you and if I just say we haven't spoken before it tended to lower the resistance a little bit but whatever you do it's got to feel natural for you um I think you know if you if you say hi this is Shabri you know do you have five minutes I think that doesn't often perform very well because you're asking someone you don't know for five minutes which could be considered a long period of time but I'd encourage you to to test and to experiment um and then and then go from go from there but hopefully those are some ideas to, to get you going Nicola uh question from LinkedIn are there any recommendations you'd make for cold calling US folks um Good question. Um, I, I think, you know, when when calling uh, anyone internationally, I think right now, whether you're calling in the UK or US, I think the goal is how do you make this cold call more warm? Um, and I think, you know, there are things that you can do. So I think you can send a LinkedIn connection request saying I'm going to give you a call this afternoon or you can send a video saying, you know, hopefully this is um, this is just to say hi, I'll be giving you a call this afternoon. But I wanted you to be able to put a face to the name. I think it's all about um, not necessarily calling US or calling UK. Um, I think it's about how do you lower that resistance and how do you make that call slightly warmer when you're um, when you're going to do it? Um, Vlad, uh, what is your opinion about LinkedIn as a place for prospecting? And um, so I think LinkedIn should be used as a place to um, to build up your profile and to build up um, to build up your um, your profile as someone who is going to add value to you. So what I what I don't recommend using LinkedIn for is you know spray and pray and then as soon as someone accepts your connection request to, to kind of lead in with a pitch so I think LinkedIn should be used as a place to nurture so to engage with your prospects content so to like comment reshare and to have a point of view on that so actually you are you know positioning yourself as a bit of a trusted advisor um so I would I would use LinkedIn as a place to build your own brand and to use it as a um, as a touch point. And I think, you know, think about cutting through the noise. Um, so if you are going to use LinkedIn, you know, I think voice notes are great. You can send voice notes that are a minute long. And, you know, one thing I like doing is, you know, having a bit of a text beforehand. So like, you know, hey, Vlad, I thought um, I thought I'd, I'd share something with you that could be relevant. And then in a minute voice note, you know, sharing some insights with them. That will create some intrigue and it will cut through the noise. Um, but that's how I would use I would use LinkedIn. So hopefully that helps answer your question, Vlad. Uh, what's the ideal call mail in May in message ratio to your opinion? Um, I think it depends on the persona. Um, I think Sales Loft and Outreach have got some good um, cadences on there um, that you can find through their content hub um, that they've got, you know, 4A14. 
um, step cadence, here's how many of that should be email, call, and, and what's the right variety. Um, the, the one thing, I, I'm not sure I've got an answer for like what's the ideal, but making sure they are evenly split. So it's not, if you've got a 14 step cadence, it's not 13 calls and one email. Um, you know, the number of cadences I'm on the receiving end of that are all email. Um, and I, I, so I think what I've wrote, whatever you would do is, is just make sure that it is evenly split. Um, and like one of the tips that I gave was like, find out where your prospects convert. So have a look at what is working with other prospects um, and then try and push your activity onto, onto that channel. Uh, okay, uh, question from Zafir, any advice on value propositioning? When and how do you position a value statement on the phone? I try and avoid pitching, but inevitably I'm asked, how are you different? What do you do? Which can open an elevator pitch trap. Okay, great question, um, Zafir. Um, I, I think to avoid pitching, one thing that I've, I've found that works is the questions that you should ask lead lead to a problem that, that you're um your product solves so without pitching it's like asking questions to actually get them to to be talking about something that you know that you can solve i think if you you if you were asked how you're different like i see that as a bit of an objection um and for those of you who haven't read um problem prospecting like there's some it's a it's a great book and there's some good good tips and advice in there on this but i think you know what they recommend is when someone says how are you different to actually just answer that back with a question and say, look, I can reel off a whole bunch of ways that, you know, we're better, you know, of how we're different to our competitors. Um, but I, I want to avoid doing that. So just so I can understand what's really important to you. So asking them where that's coming from and ask, going back to discovery almost. Um, and, you know, when someone says, what do you do? I think you can still answer that without pitching. Um, but instead of going through features functions, but actually talking through um, what are the problems that that you solve. Um, but hopefully that's helpful, Zafir, but, but definitely recommend reading Problem Prospecting because they've got some great tips on that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nicola, <that's, laughs> Nicola, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, that uh, we're happy to, to chat more, um, no problem at all. Um, okay, I think that is, have we got any more questions? Um, I think that is it, um, but but hopefully um, that that was helpful. Um, I run a podcast with Casper um, where we often have um, SDRs, AEs, sales leaders on there sharing lots of tips and insights like we do today. Um, so feel free to um, connect with me on LinkedIn and make sure you follow Casper um, so you can see when our podcast um, does drop and you can get more of these um, tips from the front line. But hopefully that was helpful. Um, thank you so much for joining and, um, and enjoy the rest of your day.